Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Ishmael Kawaja. Hello, happy Valentine's Day. It's Tuesday the 14th of February. Thanks for downloading today's podcast. Well, today's supposed to be about love and joy for couples, but dozens who were due to get married at a venue near Folkestone have had their bookings cancelled at short notice. Limcastle near Hythe has been sold off to a new owner and the company that runs events there will no longer be dealing with the business. Well, to talk us through this story, our reporter Leanne Castle, who covered it, joins me now. So Leanne, it's heartbreak for many brides and grooms. Can you tell us more about how this happened? So the owner of Limcastle has retired. So the property was put on the market last year for around £11 million. It's only in the last few days sold, which is why this is all surfaced now. The company behind the weddings at the castle have had to pack up to make way for the new owners. So they've had to cancel all the weddings on their books as a result. How many couples have been affected and how are some of them feeling? It's not clear exactly how many couples have been impacted but we do know that some people who were due to get married in literally a matter of weeks time have already had to find new venues at extremely short notice but equally it also impacts those who have their weddings booked a year in advance so some couples who are booked in for 2024 have also had their weddings cancelled. One couple I spoke to said they only found out about this over Facebook after seeing other couples post about this. Um, The bride-to-be then received an email while she was out shopping confirming that her wedding had been cancelled and she described the email as being quite cold and she just ended up bursting out into tears in the middle of a supermarket. And what has the team running Limcastle events had to say about it or will they be compensated? Thankfully, couples have been told they will get a full refund. They have also been sent refund forms with their emails telling them how to do that and hopefully they should get their money back by next week. Um, Limcastle have apologised for how things have turned out but this has all happened because essentially the venue has been sold as a property and an, and an estate rather than a business. It means the business side of things has had to wrap up as they're unable to transfer the wedding straight over to the new owners. Um, it's understood the new owners are still hoping to run it as a wedding venue. So where does this leave the couples effectively, Anne? It's not long ago we were reporting about cancellations elsewhere. So couples can either try and get in touch with the new company who have taken over to see if they can rebook their weddings, to see if they can honour that, or they will have to try and find somewhere else to go. And yeah, like you say, only last month we were reporting on a very similar situation when 37 weddings were cancelled at the Hadlow Manor Hotel in Tunbridge because the venue announced it was suddenly closing. And then the following day after that, another 15 couples had their wedding dreams smashed when the Blue Pigeon Hotel in Worth near Deal also stopped operating immediately. Thanks for those details, Leanne. Well, hopefully all of those people will eventually have their big day. Kent Online News. Our other top stories now and tributes are being paid to a man who died in a crash near Dover. A BMW collided head-on with a transit van on Folkestone Road in the early hours of yesterday. Steph Hales was on his way to work at the time and has been described by friends as a legend. Another man was also killed and a third person was treated in hospital for minor injuries. A man who killed another in a road rage attack on an M25 slip road in Swanley says he's not a danger to his victim's girlfriend. Danielle Cable gave evidence against Kenneth Noy and has been forced to take on a new identity with suggestions there was a £1 million price on her head. Noy, who spent nearly 19 years behind bars, has spoken out in a new book and says she was never under threat from him. 
A Maidstone woman who posed as a police officer and housing official to scam money out of two elderly victims has been jailed. Emma Fuggles convinced one man he'd been accused of a crime and threatened to arrest him if he didn't hand over his bank cards and their pins. The 45-year-old from Rose Home stole £700 in total and has been locked up for more than two years. Kent Online reports. A Kent campaigner is backing calls for more regulation on disposable vapes to stop children buying and using them. The local government association wants them to be kept out of sight behind the counter in shops with plain packaging similar to cigarettes. There are concerns about the impact vaping could have on young people's health. Maystone councillor Tony Harwood says the devices are no longer a tool to help people stop smoking. I think the disposable vapes have been ruthlessly marketed at children and young people through brightly coloured packaging and fruity flavours like blueberry and watermelon and banana. And the result of that is that a whole new generation is being hooked on nicotine. So I strongly support increased regulation and restrictions on their marketing and sale. There are also environmental impacts. I think everybody must have noticed that they've come from nowhere to be one of the the top items of litter out on the streets and and lying in watercourses and under hedges and in strand lines along roadsides and so on. So they're also putting lots of plastic and lithium and um, other materials into the environment. But I think one of the big issues, though, is is that um, attractiveness to children. I think there's been some research that's shown that children as young as seven are regularly using disposable vapes. They've really come from nowhere to become almost a kind of fashion item, people matching their nail varnish to their vape and so on. I first noticed disposable vapes appearing around Christmas 2021, and I I raised the issue there that there were concerns around um, the impact upon the health of young people and on our environment. But it was pretty much under the radar, but I think now... A lot of uh, um, people have woken up to this. And there's a big campaign in Scotland to see them banned. They've been banned in some European countries like Hungary already. And I think there's another big problem we've got is that just like other illicit substances and so on, you cannot uninvent the disposable vape now. And what we're increasingly seeing are, are counterfeit vapes that can contain up to 10 times the legal limit of nicotine. So I think there's a a real and present danger there as well. And if we are going to tackle the scourge of of vapes, we need to look at uh, a UK ban on their manufacture, import and sale in the long term. And this would have to be planned and coordinated with our international partners. Otherwise, it will drive it underground. And I think there's a, there's a risk there if we do see these very nicotine-intensive devices, particularly when you've got youngsters you know, as young as seven using these things. Vapes started off as tobacco-flavoured and refillable and so on, but they've moved on now with this very garish um, marketing and all of the colours and, and, the, and the sweet flavours. They're clearly being marketed at youngsters. And as a kind of business model, hooking a whole new generation on nicotine is the way to lock them in for life. So I think that there is a, you know, a real and present danger. But my real feeling is that these things are totally unsustainable and they are socially unacceptable and they should be banned. However, 
if we are to regulate them better, I think that yes, they they should not be stacked up in the front windows of, of news agents and off licenses in every town and village, but they should also um, be marketed less obviously at children. I think you know you should make them tobacco flavored, not mango flavored or blueberry flavored or banana flavored. You should take away the ability to make them brightly colored and make them all you know the horrible grungy green that cigarette packets are now and and do something along those lines we don't fully understand the implications of vaping because it's a relatively new technology and we're stepping into the unknown. The Department of Health says there are already restrictions on advertising and limits on nicotine levels, and they're considering what more can be done to tackle underage use. Residents living on the border between London and Kent say they feel exiled by the upcoming expansion of the ultra-low emission zone. From the end of August, those travelling into the capital for work, attending hospital appointments or caring for loved ones will have to pay £12.50 a day if their vehicle is non-compliant. There are fears it will have serious impacts amid the cost of living crisis and low-income households, disabled people and small businesses will be hardest hit. Now Kent Mann, who's lost his brother-in-law and nephew following the earthquake in Turkey and Syria, says the situation out there is devastating. Mehmet Dari runs the Alaturka restaurant chain, which has branches in Herne Bay, Canterbury, Whitstable and Ramsgate. He drove across Europe last week to take supplies for his loved ones. I tried to get a flight to Gaziantep to try to help my family, so I couldn't get any flight for straight away. So I just, just made a decision to just jump in the car and go much as I can. It was a difficult journey because some area was snowing, some area was icy, but I managed to come to Turkey in three days. It is very difficult. Many people lose their life here. Many people lose their family. Some families are completely died. Some people half died. Some people are injured. It's very stressful, very hard time here. The ones that died, they've been buried. So the ones that are injured in hospital, the one in left in the, in the container or in tent. But, it's, you know, the food-wise, it's difficult to drink. You know, to get some water. There's no no electric, no water, no toilet, no no nothing. Just get a petrol from the wherever city we can go, the nearest city, to get a petrol and get a generator running and try to get family warm. And also, it's very cold at the time when this incident happened. It's still cold here. Night time can go minus two or three. I think the England should also, not just England, all the whole world can get contact with the Red Cross of Turkey, uh, all get together and re reaccommodate them for these people, re wherever they can stay, with, you know, get a warm place for people to stay. Food-wise, I think it's all covered, but uh, accommodation is very difficult at the moment. More than 37,000 people are now known to have died in the disaster. Back here, new data shows pay is still lagging behind inflation, despite an average rise of 6.7% in the three months to December. Unemployment has risen in Kent and now stands at around 37,450. But Siobhan Haviland, who's head of the British Chambers of Commerce, says firms are still desperately trying to plug staffing gaps. Our businesses are telling us they still can't find enough people, they can't fulfil their order books, they can't keep their 
hotel running at capacity and it's a real challenge. Meanwhile, it looks like there's going to be job cuts at the University of Kent as they're suffering from financial difficulties. Bosses say rising costs and a drop in student numbers has led to a really challenging situation. They've opened a voluntary redundancy scheme to try and save money. It comes as another restaurant in Kent's become a casualty of the cost of living crisis. Unita 4 in Ashford's Elwick Place has closed, with bosses saying surging inflation has created a catastrophic environment to be open in. They're hoping it will only be temporary and say so they need to take time to reflect and reassess the business. Kent Online reports. A man from Tunbridge has narrowly avoided jail time after being so drunk he fell off his motorcycle and had trouble picking it back up again. Kevin Manley downed a bottle of vodka and then struggled to mount the bike before driving down Priory Road. The 52-year-old from Quarry Hill Road has been banned from driving for 36 months and must pay over £200. Now a chatter mum whose twin sons were born with two different types of heart disease so she's been blown away with how unforgiving the world can be with two poorly children. Artemis and Perseus were nearly six weeks premature and both had to have surgery. Their mum Storm Sanson is trying to raise awareness and money for support. Both of my sons have congenital, two different types of congenital heart diseases. Um, they were diagnosed antenatally and I'd never heard of congenital heart disease and most people I come across have never ever heard of congenital heart disease but it affects like one in every hundred babies in the UK so I've kind of got to a point where I really would like more people to know what congenital heart disease is because it's life-changing for babies that have it. So Artemis, my twin that's just had open heart surgery he has a hole in the heart his hole was 3.6 millimeters along his heart and he was five and a half weeks premature and he only weighed four pound three ounces at birth so that's a huge hole for such a tiny baby perseus and my other son he has pulmonary stenosis which is basically um on his valve the pulmonary valve it, it it's like it's really really stiff so the blood couldn't flow through the valve properly. Um, and it was just giving him like a huge like pressure on his heart with the blood flow. So it meant that blood wasn't flowing to his lungs properly around his body properly. So um, when he was born, he was taken straight to the neonatal unit and given oxygen support because he couldn't breathe properly. Um, and then he went and had surgery to correct it at four days old. So he had a, what they call a balloon done. So they basically push a balloon up into his heart, expand it into the valve. And sometimes it might break the valve and split it a little bit, but it just it's just to widen it so that they can then function properly. Um, which is quite scary when you've got such a little baby purse. He was only five pounds, three ounces when he was born. So because they were both like five and a half weeks premature, he was teeny tiny. So it was quite frightening. Um, I look back on it now and I'm like, you know, Artie's heart surgery was frightening and they were both frightening but at the time it was really scary when you've just had this baby come fresh out of your womb and then they're taken away immediately and then they have to have surgery within like four days it's it's quite a lot for I think any parent. Artist Tracy Emin has bought a former gentleman's club in Margate to stop it being transformed into a nightclub. The 59-year-old has a studio just behind the old Constitutional Club and she purchased it once she realised it had a late-night alcohol licence and a gaming room. She plans to keep the peace and turn the building and the one next door into a site dedicated to her, with books for aspiring artists to browse and places for them to stay. Meanwhile, fellow artist Banksy has confirmed a new artwork in Margate is one of his. 
It shows a woman winking as she appears to have dumped her husband in a fridge freezer. The painting appeared on a building in Grosvenor Place yesterday. You can see the picture at Kent Online. A youth group in Kent has won a national award for their work in battling hate crime and bullying. Gifted Young Gravesham launched their reported campaign and worked with a local filmmaker to make a video which focuses on five categories of hate crime. It's shown in schools and aims to give young people a voice. Ellie Burns is chair of the committee and Liam Barden is deputy. The previous committees um, all decided that they wanted to work on a new project called the Reported Project. And they had the aim of trying to encourage young people around the borough to try and report any hate crimes that they saw. Um, and over this five-year-ish period, we've worked towards um, creating a video about reporting hate crimes. And this has involved all eight schools in the borough. It's really amazing to get all of the head teachers involved because it's seeing such a leader, um, big leaders of our schools. Um, because they were getting on board with it, it meant that we were more likely to get on board with it. And I think a lot of people are more willing to be able to report a hate crime when they see their head teacher engaged in it. They know they've got someone they can go towards. We came up with this video that we put together that kind of promoted to young people how to report a hate crime and what it is so that they can point one out. And, and if they see one, um, like if they see a victim of a hate crime, they can report them or if they are a victim themselves, they can uh, report it to um, someone they feel comfortable with. I think some young people don't understand how much of an impact a hate crime can have on a young person. So, you know, even that if they're the person um, acting that hate crime, you know, they can know how much that's impacting a victim so that maybe they don't do it again. It's going to cost £10,000 to repair public toilets on Sheppey that were damaged in a fire. Rubbish is thought to have been deliberately set alight next to the White House Indian restaurant in Minster last month. It's unclear when the toilets will reopen. Plans for a four-storey retirement complex on a former bowling green in Gravesend have been described as scandalous and horrific. Developer McCarthy Stone wanted to knock down the existing pavilion in Church Walk, which closed in 2020, to make way for 62 flats. But neighbours have raised concerns over parking, increased traffic and the loss of green space. Michael Charles is a former member of Gravesend Rugby Football Club's Bowls Club. It's one of the few green spaces we've got left in Gravesend. We've been losing them hand over fist for several years and I think it's about time we, 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 we put a stop to that and built on brownfield sites and so I'm, I'm, I would campaign to keep uh, this space as a green space, not necessarily as a bowls club it could be used for other, other recreational purposes, you know but uh, it, shouldn't, it shouldn't be built on that's my argument And why, why do you think it is important to keep sort of these green spaces at the moment? Well, because if you look at Kent as a whole developers have had a free run <laughs> they're building everywhere and uh, if we're not careful the future generations won't have um, places where, well children won't have places where they can go to, to exercise um, if they do if developers do build a new estate they usually put a token little playing play playground in but it's, it's only a token there's nothing nothing substantial so I worry for the fu future generations and you also mentioned kind of the environmental aspect of the area already is kind of built up, a lot of traffic normally. Well, you can, you can see, well, standing here now, looking at the club, well, we're, we're, uh, next to it is a very busy main road. You can hear the traffic in the, uh, for Milton Road. There's a big 
grammar school just by the way there and there's cars coming and going all the time can you imagine what it'd be like when <laughs> there are 62 flats or so being built and people coming in and out all the time it'd be horrendous traffic congestion pollution uh it's environmentally i think it'd be disastrous on on top of that it's a beautiful view from um, as i said from parrock road all the way down a green corridor all the way down to milton church all green at the moment if you build a big block of flats at the bottom that's it gone that view is gone <laughs> for good however some reckon it will be a good thing for the area a spokesman for the developer says this investment will also help to safeguard the future of the club and benefit the local community a decisions expected next month Planning permission has been granted for a new church on an expanding housing estate near West Morling. The local congregation has been meeting in homes, schools and even the local pub for more than two decades while permission was sought for the project. St Gabriel's at Kings Hill will be the first new Church of England place of worship in the Diocese of Rochester for about 20 years. And the old cottage pub in Margate, which has been dubbed the longest homes under the hammer project ever, could reopen by the summer. The 370-year-old inn was featured on the show in 2009, then again in 2014, and now the owner is hopeful he'll soon be able to film the finale. Once the Grade 2 listed building is complete, it will feature its own brewery, an upstairs restaurant and Airbnb rooms. David Gorton owns it and has been showing us around. Well, where we're standing at the moment is the oldest part of the building. Um, 1650, it's been dated through... Apparently the bricks, um, the size of the bricks makes a difference because it's well before the brick tax was introduced when the bricks were larger. So when we originally started pulling out the old commercial kitchen, which was in this area, the whole cooking range was right in front of the fireplace. There were um, several layers of tiles, lath and plaster, goodness knows what else at the back of the um, cooking range. When we started ripping it all out and taking a staircase away from over on the right hand side there, we discovered an arch in the fireplace wall here. We didn't know it was a fireplace, but there were logs in the bottom, worked our way across to the left here, and we discovered all of this. The original back door to the cottage but the back of this here, the wood above the top of the doorway there, that would have gone, that's the top of the uh, door frame and the sill is still in the ground down the bottom and the bricks are uh, Victorian as they bricked it up, decided they didn't want to use the back door into the garden anymore and the wall would have progressed right away along there and this would have been cottage 1650, base of Oliver Cromwell importing wines and spirits in 1650. They built an off license to sell them up the far end towards the sea, that's in about 1750. And then in 1850, they put an infill building between this building and the off license. And that building in the middle is about 1850, almost to the month of 100 years. And that then allowed whoever the owner was back then in, in 1924, the, the ability to walk from this end, 1650, through the middle bit, 1850, to the old bit of 1750. So now we've got a very long, skinny, highly prized, iconic building that's coming back to life in Margaret. Kent Online Sports. Football and Gillingham will be hoping to get back to winning ways in League Two tonight. They welcome 17th place Grimsby Town to Priestfield, following defeat away to Mansfield at the weekend, which ended a run of four games unbeaten. Manager Neil Harris is hoping for a big turnout. He's encouraging everyone to show some love to their football team this Valentine's Day. It's ten points to five games now, which is which is a fantastic return for where we've where we've been. Um, a great opportunity for the fans to come and support us Tuesday night. 
we've been fantastic at home the last last three games. We want as many fans as possible. We want people to have come and, and seen the feel good factor for the stadium and the opportunity on Valentine's Day to bring bring your partners, wives, husbands, uh, bring your children as well um, that maybe come come before. So um, yeah, come support us. Grimsby um, had a little little dip around the Christmas mark, um, but obviously done well in, in the cups to get to the fifth round and place and you know come up against Southampton in a few weeks. Um, difficult team. Paul Hurst done a great job over the last 18 months getting out, out of the league below and then stabilising in, 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 in a difficult division in League 2. Um, but you know, you play against Paul Hurst side, it's always going to be competitive and we certainly have to win. We have to earn the right to play against a team up in The Jills are second from bottom on the table, but a win could see them move out of the relegation zone. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. You can also get an update of the top stories direct to your email each morning with The Briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.